Good morning, and welcome to the Sunday stream at Flat Creek Baptist Church. We are so thankful that you've joined us today, whether you're watching online or you are joining us on Glory FM 97.5. We are grateful for you being here today, and we look forward to worshiping alongside of you this morning. God bless you, and enjoy the stream. of you today and we are so thankful that you have come for a time of worship at Flat Creek Baptist Church today and anytime that we see folks saved not only do we want to get them baptized but we like to baptize people at the very beginning of our service because we believe it sets the tone of the whole day just an hour of celebration and so today we have five people Flat Creek five people coming to be baptized today up first, we have Miss Allie Kate. Y'all give Allie Kate a big hand as she comes. All right, Miss Allie Kate, she is one of our Awanas students. 
uh, started coming to Awanas back uh, at the beginning of this Awana year, back in August. And just a few weeks ago, actually, I was, I believe I was out of town on a Wednesday. I think I was on vacation uh, up in Pigeon Forge. I got a phone call after Awanas was over that Allie Kate had given her life to Christ and that her Awanas leaders had personally led her to that saving relationship with Jesus. So let's give it up for our Awanas leaders today. Now, Allie Kate, if you put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, yes. then it's my pleasure to baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Up next, we have Drew Millwood. Y'all give Drew a big hand today. Now, Drew and his family, they need no introduction here at Flat Creek Baptist. The Millwood family is uh, intertwined in the fabric of Flat Creek, probably dating all the way back 205 years. Uh, they are a precious, precious family who love the Lord Jesus Christ. And Drew came to me uh, about two weeks ago and said, Pastor, I need to be baptized. Uh, just recently, I've realized my need for the Lord Jesus Christ, and I need to get it right. And so one Sunday afternoon after service was over, he and I sat right in here with his daughter, Mary, and, and he just made a profession of faith to say, hey, I'm giving my life to Christ, and today he comes to be baptized. So, Drew, have you given your life to the Lord Jesus Christ? I have. Then it's my pleasure to baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we're going to have Drew stand right here because we're going to introduce his daughter, Maren. Y'all give Maren a big hand today. Now, Maren is also one of our Awanas children here at Flat Creek. And not just Awanas, but here in Sunday school, here every Sunday. And whenever she heard about what was going on in her daddy's life, she was in the car with him. And she said, Daddy, I need to be baptized too. And so he was able, with his wife Tiffany, to be able to share with them and talk to them about uh, salvation. And Marin came to a saving relationship with Jesus. So, Marin, have you put your heart and uh, life in the hands of the Lord Jesus Christ? Yes. Then it's my pleasure to baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. All right, up next we have Tobias. Y'all give Tobias a big hand this morning. Now, Tobias, this is a real blessing. Tobias is one of the West Hall football players uh, that, amen, yes, amen. Uh, Tobias is one of 13 football players from West Hall High School this year that gave their life to Christ. Uh, but, man, I'm going to tell you something. When this young man started coming to Flat Creek on Wednesday nights, he started asking questions, and he really started investigating the Lord Jesus Christ to see if, hey, is Jesus really the one I want to put my faith and trust in? And so when he gave his life to Christ, Tobias went all in. I'm going to tell you what his football coach told me on Wednesday. You don't even know your football coach told me this. But Coach Montgomery told me on Wednesday, he said, man, is Tobias one of those young men who got saved at Flat Creek? I said, he sure is. He said, I see such a difference in that young man's life. Didn't know that. 
And so it's an honor to be here to, with Tobias today. Tobias, if you put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, sir, I have. Then it's my pleasure to baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. One more this morning. Y'all give it up for Jeb this morning. Jeb, you come on down. Now, this is a real, real special moment. Jeb was actually saved in our service last Sunday morning at the 11 o'clock service. Amen. And, and Jeb, this week, I had a conversation with him on the phone, and I said, listen, man, we can go ahead and get you baptized this Sunday. And this is what he said. He said, there's no need to wait. We're going to get it done on Sunday. I'm ready to get baptized. And uh, what a great testimony he has. And I know in the coming months and years, you'll probably hear more from this young man and what the Lord Jesus has done in his life. So, Jeb, have you put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ? Yes, I have. Then it's my pleasure to baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Hey, Flat Creek, what a great way to start the service. Amen? Amen. Brother Caleb, you come and lead us in a time of worship today. Well, that'll bless your soul, right? Listen, uh, I have a request. We're going to start the service with the fellowship song today. Look, we got a ton of folks standing in the foyer looking for a seat. So let's stand. Let's find somebody to welcome to church. And let's scooch in. Can we do that? Let me make room for everybody here. the Oh, 
stand today. Praise him. You may be seated at this time, and let's go to the Lord in prayer together. And as we pray this morning, uh, we do want to pray just a prayer of thanksgiving. Uh, we are just a few days away from that holiday we all love so much. And, uh, but it's, it shouldn't just be for us as believers a one-time-a-year holiday. Let us enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise daily as we celebrate the great salvation that has been given to us in the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, that your word says in Romans chapter 5, verse 6 through 8, for rarely will someone die for a just person, though perhaps for a good person someone might even dare to die. But God proves his own love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Thank you, Lord, for the great salvation which was purchased on Calvary's tree. Thank you, Lord, that for those of us who have been saved, at some point in our lives, you looked down and you saw us and you came after us and you saved us. You set us free from the sins that ensnared us. And today we are born again, new creations in Christ, just like those five individuals who just were baptized. What a joy that is. But Lord, as we gather today, I understand that there might be some in the room that all of this is a bit mysterious to them. They don't understand how a group of people can have so much joy in their hearts in the midst of tribulation. They don't understand how we can sing in the face of death. They don't understand how in a, a dark and gloomy day like a, uh, that we're living in today, how we, can, how we can have a smile on our face and praise in our hearts as we come into this place to gather together. But the truth is, Lord, we have found salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ. Just like Peter says in John 6 when Jesus asked that famous question, you won't go away too, will you? And Peter said, Oh, you have the words of eternal life. Where will we go? Lord, we can't go anywhere else. We come humbly to the throne of grace today, lay our lives before you. And I pray that if anyone in the room today doesn't know Jesus, that today would be the day of salvation. Father, we love you. We give you the glory, the praise and honor, and say these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hey, listen, while we are uh, welcoming each other today, I want y'all to give a big hand to our online and radio listening audience this morning. And, and listen, I, I want to just say a real special word to our radio listening audience today. Mr. Mike Walford, who is a member of Flat Creek Baptist Church, owns the radio station that we broadcast on every Sunday, and that has been a ministry of Mike. Today represents a 25-year ministry on the radio for Mr. Mike Walford. No telling how many souls have been reached through his radio station, and we are so thankful to broadcast on the radio every Sunday morning from here at Flat Creek. Also, if you're in the room today and it's your very first time visiting with us, we are so grateful you're here. It is our honor to have you as our guest today. Inside the back of your pews, you're going to find an envelope holder with a green connections card. If you could please fill that out for us, and on your way out the double doors this morning, you're going to see a connections tent over to your right. If you could turn that in for us, that's our way to connect with you during the week.
week. Now, two quick announcements before we get back to our praise and worship time. Number one, if you have been selected to work on a committee in the 2023-2024 church year, please stay after this service for about 15 minutes in the fellowship hall for all committee meeting. This is just an opportunity for you to get to know those on the committee with you. So if you're serving on any committee, please stay for just about 15 or 20 minutes in the fellowship hall after this service. And one more thing, tonight at 6 p.m., we are having a night of worship uh, and we're going to be hearing from our own Bella Quatero. Bella, if you'll, Bella, if you'll please stand at this time. Love Bella. Bella spent her summer as a missionary in Alaska, and she's about to embark on a one-year missionary journey that's going to take her to five different countries around the world. She's going to be sharing tonight what God is doing in and through her. That's going to be at 6 o'clock. We're going to have music, also food, and we know that'll get a Southern Baptist anytime. So come out tonight and join us for a night of worship at 6 o'clock. If you'll please stand to your feet as Brother Caleb and the choir and the band lead us and continue worship today. This medley of songs, I just want to say real quick, happy Thanksgiving week. Uh, with that in mind, y'all lift these songs up as Kaylee leads us off in the first song. Here we go. I was rich. I remember who I was. I was lost. I was blind. I was running out of time. Sin separated. The breach was far too wide But from the far side of the chasm You held me in your sight You made a way Across the great divide Left behind heaven's throne To build it here inside And there at the cross that I owe broke my chains freed my soul and for the first time I had hope thank you Jesus for the blood of life thank you Jesus it has washed me white thank you Jesus you have saved me to glorious light. You took my place, laid inside my tomb of sin. And you were buried for three days, but then you walked right out again. And now death has no sting, and life has no
Thank y'all so much. At this time, if you are in the building and you are kindergarten to fifth grade and are pre-registered to go to Children's Church, you can make your way to behind the piano where Miss Breeze will meet you there, our children's director. And as they are making their way that direction, if you want to open your Bible to the book of Luke, the book of Luke chapter number four, the book of Luke chapter number four, and then a precious sight to see all those children. As we are coming to the text today, we are right here at the cusp of Thanksgiving, and I'm reminded of a, a story that I heard about a young lady who, uh, she didn't know how she was going to make ends meet for Thanksgiving, and so she was worried about how she was going to provide a meal for her family, and so she began to pray and ask God to supernaturally intervene in her situation so that she would be able to feed her family. The next morning after she prayed, she walked outside, and to her surprise, there on the front steps of her house was just a, a, just a whole load of groceries. And so she began to exclaim, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for providing me these groceries. And just as she was praising him in his highest, a, a man jumped out from behind the bushes, and he said, aha, I got you. You see, I'm your next-door neighbor, and I'm an atheist, and I don't believe in God, but I heard you praying yesterday that God would supernaturally intervene and send you groceries. And so I went to the grocery store, I bought your groceries, and I put them on your front porch. There is no God. And she said, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. He said, you don't understand, ma'am. 
God didn't do this. I did. I bought all your groceries. And she said once again, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for providing my groceries and making the devil pay for it. Amen? <laughs> We're going to be in Luke chapter 4 today. Uh, we come to this text just a few months or a few weeks ago. As a matter of fact, I was at my house and I was... Uh, doing what I do a lot of afternoons, I just turn on praise music and actually came across that song that our choir just sang uh, about only Jesus. And, and as I heard that song, I, I, I immediately texted Caleb and said, man, have you heard this song? And I said, I really believe this has been pressed upon my heart this afternoon to be really the theme of our Christmas season. This idea of only Jesus. Now, I want to say from the very start today that I understand and know that you might be here today and have never put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And before I even began to bring God's word today, I want to put before you an invitation to give your heart to Christ. In just a few moments, we're going we're gonna to do something that may seem a bit foreign to you. We're going to come to the end of this service, and when we do, I'm going to give an invitation. And when I give that invitation to come to Jesus, if you are here and have never put your faith and trust in him, I'm going to ask you to make a bold move. I'm going to ask you to step out of your pew and to walk this aisle and come and take my hand at the front of this sanctuary and say, Pastor, for the very first time today, I want to give my life to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, as we are coming to Luke chapter 4 today, I understand that even maybe at this moment, your heart might not be settled. And you might have various opinions about the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want you to know if you have various opinions about the Lord Jesus Christ, that you will not be the first person to have a different opinion about Jesus than maybe what I have. Because every day as I go out into this world and share the gospel, I run into people every day that have different opinions about the Lord Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, when we come to Luke chapter number 4, those in the text actually have varying opinions about Jesus. If you just look down at Luke chapter 4 and verse number 22, it says here that all were speaking well of him. And they were wondering at the gracious words which were falling from the lips of Jesus. And they were saying, is this not Joseph's son? They had varying opinions about Jesus. You might even remember over in Matthew chapter number 16. How in Matthew 16, the Lord Jesus Christ was passing through the region of Caesarea Philippi. And the streets of Caesarea Philippi were, were, were lined with, with idols devoted to Greek and, and, and Roman gods. And in that context, in that city, Jesus asked that famous question, who do you say that the Son of Man is? And the disciples begin to answer that question, and they say, well, some say Jeremiah. Some say that you are John the Baptist. Some say that you are Isaiah. And then Jesus posed this question to them. He said, but you, who do you say that I am? And that's really... Dear friends, the question of the hour, what say ye about the Lord Jesus Christ? You see, at the end of the day, it, it will not matter when you stand before God in judgment what Pastor Zach believed about Jesus. On that day, it won't believe what, 
It won't matter what Caleb believed or, or, or what Miss Breeze believed or anybody else believed. What will matter is what you believe about the Lord Jesus Christ. Matthew 16, it, it highlights for us that, that there were various attitudes about the Lord Jesus Christ. And there's been these various ideas about Jesus which have been put before us since the day that Mary came out of her house claiming to be a pregnant virgin. Since that day, everyone has wanted to know, is Jesus a mere man or is he something more? As we come into this Christmas season, I want us to, to look at this series of messages, Only Jesus. And by the time we conclude this series on Christmas Eve, I hope and pray that you come to the conclusion in your heart that only Jesus can be the Messiah. I want to begin today with a message, this series, with a message entitled, He is Here. Now listen to what the Bible says in Luke chapter 4, beginning in verse 14. It says, And Jesus returned to Galilee and the power of the Spirit. And news about him spread throughout all the surrounding district. And Jesus began to teach in their synagogues and was praised by all. And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath and he stood up to read. And the book of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. And he opened the book and found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. He's reading from the prophet Isaiah, who prophesied 700 years before Jesus had this scene in Luke chapter number 4. And the Bible says, and he closed the book. And he gave it back to the attendant, and he sat down. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And Jesus said to them, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your presence. Now I want you to consider what just took place in Luke chapter number 4. And in order for you to really understand the gravity of this moment, you, you really have to understand the spiritual climate of the day in which Jesus lived. And I want you to understand this morning that the spiritual climate of that day, 2,000 years ago, is not much different than the spiritual climate of our day. You see, when Jesus came to the earth 2,000 years ago, understand that for hundreds of years, the nation of Israel, the Jewish people, God's chosen race, had faced the severe consequences of falling away from God. They had been in bondage to the Assyrians. They had been in bondage to the Babylonians. They were under the yoke of the mighty Medes and Persians. And in the days of Christ, the people of God were scattered throughout all that known region of the day, but there were those who were living in Israel. And for those who were living in Israel, they were under the yoke of the Roman Empire, meaning that Roman and Greek culture, their pagan gods could be found in every corner of the nation. Beyond that, Herod the Great, this wicked and sinful tyrannical king, sat on the throne in Jerusalem. And this was an affront to the covenant that God had made with David. Remember that God had told David, you will always have a, a, a son that sits on the throne in 
Jerusalem. But Herod is not of the lineage of David. Instead, Herod is of the lineage of Esau, Jacob's other, or Isaac's other son, the one that was not chosen. This was an affront to the covenant of God. The nation was suffering physically because of Roman rule. And beyond that, economically, they were impoverished. And because of this, they were militarily destitute and weak. They were spiritually demoralized. 400 years had gone by since the last prophet had spoken. Malachi closes the Old Testament. And for 400 years, there's silence from heaven. There's no Red Sea moment. There, there's no walls crumbling down. There's no Jordan River standing on its end. There's no fire raining down from heaven. There's no mighty acts of deliverance. Here they were. They were spiritually broken, and the only hope they had was the coming of Messiah. That sounds a lot like our day, doesn't it? Spiritually, economically, emotionally, politically, religiously. We are as low as we have ever been. As the Bible says in 2 Peter, the scoffers are scoffing and they're asking that question, where is the promise of his coming? All things have continued on since they were at the beginning of the world. And here we are as believers, we're looking at the spiritual climate of our day. It is darker than it has ever been. And we as believers are patiently, expectantly waiting the coming of Messiah. We are waiting that moment that the archangel shouts, the trumpet sounds, and the Lord Jesus Christ comes down. We recognize today he is our only hope. It's exactly how they felt 2,000 years ago. They were thinking, man, if, if, if Messiah will come, he will make all things new. He will usher in a time of prosperity. He will usher in a time of blessing and spiritual renewal, a fortified empire with military might. He will be our king. We will be his people. And so they were searching for, longing for, looking for the Messiah. When you come to Luke chapter number 4, understand the spiritual climate that they had. It was spiritually dark, and they were looking for Messiah. And, and 30 years, 30 years before Luke 4, there was a shift in the climate. There was a shift in the dynamic. You see, 30 years before chapter 4, signs began to appear. There was a woman who was past the age of childbearing. When she had her son, her husband was telling people that an angel had appeared to him. And told him that the, the baby which had supernaturally been born was the forerunner of the Messiah, just as Isaiah had prophesied. He was telling people that he was the one who would come in the, the likeness and the power of Elijah, just like Malachi had prophesied. And shortly after that, there was another young girl who was pregnant and she was telling everyone that she was a virgin and that an angel had appeared to her and said the baby born to you will be the savior of his people and then signs began to appear in the heavens a star appeared to mark the place where he was born shepherds were running through the streets and telling people that that angels have appeared to us and told us Good news of great joy. Today, a Savior has been born. 
There were magi that were coming through the streets and saying, the time is now. The star has appointed the place. The Messiah has come. But just after that happened, you will remember that King Herod, that wicked king that I already mentioned, so jealous at the thought of another king being born, went throughout all Bethlehem and killed all the baby boys under two years old. And so all the hope that the people of Jesus' day in Luke 4 had 30 years ago, all that hope has simmered because that was 30 years ago. But just before Luke 4, understand that once again, things started to, to kick up. That this, this son of Zacharias, who he said would be in the spirit of Elijah, he's come out of the wilderness. He's in camel skins. He's He's, he's eating locusts and wild honey and he's preaching repentance and he's claiming that there's one who stands among you who is, who is so great that I can't even untie the, the latchet of his sandals. He's saying there's one who stands among you who is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He's saying that, that this Jesus that I baptized, I personally witnessed the Holy Spirit come down and rest on him. And I heard a voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And this messianic excitement is beginning to rise. But after that baptism, no one sees Jesus. For a solid year, he has disappeared. He didn't go and take the throne in Jerusalem by force. He didn't assemble an army. Instead, he went into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan. When you come to Luke 4, 14, between 13, verse 13 and verse 14, an entire year elapses. But once again, after that year comes to an end, these, these miraculous events and news about these miraculous events are beginning to spread. In fact, there are three miracles that have happened that, that really have you at attention. You see, there were three miracles that the Jews were looking for. And these three miracles would mark the Messiah. They would know Messiah has come when these miracles take place. The first miracle would be that the Messiah would be able to cleanse a leper. Mark chapter 2, you know the story. As Jesus is passing through, a leper comes to him. And falls on the ground in front of him and says, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus does something that nobody else would ever think to do. He reaches out and physically touches the leper. And the leper is cleansed. And what does Jesus say to the leper? He says, don't tell anybody. But I want you to go back to the priest. And I want you to tell them. Why would Jesus tell this man, don't tell the public, but tell the priest? Well, it's because the priests were looking for the Messiah. And the priests knew and believed in their heart that the Messiah would be able to cleanse a leper. So when Jesus says, go to the priest, he's putting them on alert. The Messiah has come. No one else has ever cleansed a leper before. There was a second sign, and that would be the casting out of a demon. But not just any demon, the most heinous of demons, one that would render someone mute. It was considered to be the worst demon of all. In Mark chapter number 9, Jesus is confronted by a father who has a son, and that son is possessed by a demon. 
the father says, that makes him mute and throws him down in the fire. And Jesus, just the power and the authority of his word, cast the demon out of the boy. And then there's a third sign that Jesus would be able to heal or open the eyes of the blind. And Jesus is opening the eyes of those who are born blind. This is something only Messiah can do. Furthermore, something only God in the flesh can do. Who can open the eyes of the blind except the creator of the eye? News was spreading. Notice what the Bible says in verse 14 of chapter number 4 of the book of Luke. It says, and Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him was spreading through the whole district. This news was beginning to spread. People were talking. Have you heard about this Jesus who has opened the eyes of the blind? Have you heard about this Jesus who is able to cleanse the leper? Have you heard about this Jesus who makes the lame to leap? Have you heard about this Jesus who's, who's opening the ear of the deaf? They were all talking, and notice where Jesus performs these miracles. It's in the region of Galilee, which itself is a prophetical fulfillment from the book of Isaiah. Remember that Isaiah said, out of the land of darkness a light has dawned. The region of Galilee where Jesus was performing these things was the vortex of sin inside of Israel. And yet this is where Jesus comes and begins to do these things and begins to preach. He begins to preach those who were spiritually maligned. And verse 15 tells us that he's, he's beginning to, to have this popularity that's rising. It says that they are all praising him. Now that praise does not necessarily mean they were worshiping him, although we do know that there were those who were worshiping Jesus and Jesus was receiving their worship. But the praise here is actually meaning that they were speaking well of him. They were speaking highly of him. No one could say anything negative. And the Bible tells us that in the height of his popularity, he came to Nazareth. And notice what the Bible says. It says he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. This is where the earthly family of Jesus lived. This is where his mama heard that announcement. You are going to conceive and bring forth a son, and he's going to be the savior of the world. As a fact, if you ever go to Nazareth today, they actually have the place marked. You can go and stand in what's called the Church of the Annunciation. And you go down to the bottom floor of that place, and, and there's this whole section that's marked off, and, and there's this little door, and, and right there at that door is, is the home of Mary, where she was at when the angel appeared. I'll never forget standing in that place, Brother Brian, because as I'm standing in that place, looking at this and thinking, man, this is Mary's home. This is her childhood home. This is where she grew up. This is where her mama and daddy lived. It dawned on me. This is Jesus' momo and popo's house. My momo's here today. And man, I can remember growing up and going to Momo's house all the time, reaching in the cookie jar, getting glass bottle Coke, swimming in the swimming pool. And the reason I bring that up is to say that, that Jesus was a real man. This is where his family lived. This is where his friends were. This is where he went to school. This is where he learned his father's trade as a carpenter, a builder. This is where he celebrated life achievements. This is also where he grieved. This was Jesus' home. 
It's also the place where he worshiped. What does the Bible say there in verse 16? He came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and as was his custom, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath. The Sabbath was the center of Jewish culture. All the Jews went to synagogue on Sabbath. So this is the place where Jesus made his way every Saturday. This is the place where as a child he would come and listen to the scriptures read. This is the place where he had rabbis pour into his life. This is the place where he would hear the word of God taught and oh how Jesus delighted in the word of God. But on this particular day, there's going to be an honor given to Jesus, an honor to stand and read the prophets. The Jewish synagogue, the services were broken up into parts. They would re recite the Shema from Deuteronomy 6. They would oftentimes re recite the Hallel from Psalm 118. They would go through other Old Testament scriptures. But then at the very end of the day, they would give the honor to one individual to read a prophet a prophecy, and then to explain the prophecy. And on this day, Jesus is chosen. And the Bible says that the book of the prophet Isaiah, verse 17, was handed to him. And you can imagine, it's almost like this. I have this pulpit here. They, they give him a scroll, and, and Jesus takes the scroll, and he opens it up. And he finds a specific place, Isaiah 61, verse 1 and 2. And Jesus begins to read, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of the sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. In the text, as Jesus is reading, he is reading a prophecy that, that spoke forth about the coming messianic age. And I want you to notice what Jesus is saying here. He's, he's, he's putting emphasis on the word me as he reads. The Lord is upon me because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives. You notice as Jesus is reading that this prophecy that is before them is speaking of this, this, this day unlike any other day. And what Isaiah is prophesying is this, is, is, is look at the message, but more than that, understand that this is going to be the message of the messenger. This is going to be the message of the Messiah. And not just the message, but this is going to be the mission. These are going to be the things which he is able to accomplish. And Jesus says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. When the Messiah would come, he would, he would herald the good news to those who were poor in spirit. Remember what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, blessed are the poor in spirit. Are you poor spiritually this morning? The gospel is for you. Are you broken and undone? Are you in the muck and the miry clay of this world? Understand that Jesus proclaims the gospel to the poor. Not just that, the favorable year when those who were captive, Jesus said, would be 
released. Those who were enslaved spiritually will be set free. What have we been learning in Romans? That through the power of the cross, you who were slaves to sin can be set free, liberated. The recovery of sight to the blind, not just the blind physically, but the blind spiritually. What's worse, physical blindness or spiritual blindness? To be blind physically in this world or to be cast into outer darkness for all eternity. The Messiah will open the eyes of those who are spiritually blind, the oppressed, those who have no hope. Is that you today? Man, you've gone all that you can go. You've done all you know to do, but you have no hope. The oppressed, those who are downtrodden and maligned, those who are beaten and bruised, no more. Not in the Messianic age. The Messiah will come and will usher in a day unlike any other day the world has ever seen. It's pointing forward to an age that's coming. The age when the Lord Jesus Christ finally and fully reigns in righteousness. And you'll notice here in the Bible what, what happens. Jesus deliberately picks this scripture. So it's not a mistake. The Bible says that when he reads it, that the eyes of everyone in the room are fixed upon him. Everything is silent. As Jesus rolls up the scroll and they begin to listen, to hear the explanation of the prophecy. What will Jesus say? What will he tell us about the coming messianic age? Remember, they're all waiting on it. Spiritually, they're hanging in the balance, waiting on the Messiah to come. And now Jesus, this, this, this rapidly famous preacher, is there in front of them, read the prophecy. Okay, Jesus, tell us, when will this day dawn? And Jesus says in verse 21, today, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your presence. In one statement. Jesus turned the entire trajectory of human history on his head. For in one statement, Jesus said, the Messiah that you are looking for, the Messiah that you are longing for, the Messiah that you have desperately hoped for is standing in the room. The Messiah is here. He is standing before you and I am he. Friends, today you might have come into this room searching for hope. You might have come into this room like so many in that day, searching for peace. So many today, the Bible says in Luke or at Revelation chapter number 3, spiritually you're pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. But behold, the Messiah stands at the door and knocks. You have searched the world over. You have searched high and low. You have searched far and wide for the, for the Savior. Look no further. Jesus has come. Now, there are three things, quickly, that you must understand about this statement of Jesus. Number one, Jesus believed that he was the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. Jesus believed that he was the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. Remember John? 
John 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. John 1, 14, the Word became flesh and took up residence among us, and we beheld His glory. John says the fulfillment of Scripture, the one that all prophecy points to, was walking amongst us. And you say, well, that's a disciple of Jesus. That's not what Jesus said about Himself. John 5, 39, Jesus said, you search the Scriptures because you think that you have eternal life in them. But the Scriptures testify about me. In John and in Luke, Jesus declares all prophecy, all Scripture points to him. You want eternal life that's promised in Scripture? Jesus says eternal life is found in me. You see, there are those today that will say, well, Jesus never claimed Messiahship. Jesus never claimed divinity. Friends, the proof is right in front of you. Jesus claimed to be the Messiah. Jesus claimed to be divine, even over in John chapter number 8. In John 8, Jesus said, Abraham, look forward to my day. And they say, you're not 50 years old, and you've seen Abraham? And Jesus says, before Abraham was, I am. And they knew exactly what he meant. You might think about Kevin DeYoung who said it best when he said Jesus was not just a prophet. Jesus is the fulfillment of prophecy. Number two, this statement of Jesus sets him apart from all other religious leaders who came before him or after him. Now understand, this is not the only controversial moment in Jesus' life. And this is not the only controversial statement he ever made. In John 3, 16, he says that faith in him is necessary for salvation. In Mark chapter 2, he claimed to have the power to forgive sins, which caused an uproar. In Matthew 28, he said that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him. And here, he's saying that this fulfillment of this messianic age, this fulfillment of the Messiah coming is fulfilled in me. He's making claims that no other religious leader has ever made before or after him. Consider Muhammad. Muhammad, the founder of Islam. Do you know when Muhammad walked into the cave and was given the Quran, do you know what he said when he got home? Now this is history. This is not just Pastor Zach. You can go look it up for yourself. When Muhammad got home, he went to his wife, Katya, and you know what he said to her? He said, I've been possessed by a demon. And it was only when she convinced him otherwise that he wrote the Quran and said it was given to him by an angel of light, which should always raise suspicions considering that the Bible says the devil disguises himself as an angel of light. Buddha was once asked, are you the Messiah? Buddha said, no, I'm not. He said, are you a healer? And he said, no. They asked Buddha, are you a teacher? And he said, no, I'm not a teacher. And they said, then what are you? And Buddha said, I'm awake. <laughs> he made no claim. But Jesus claims to be the fulfillment of prophecy. Jesus claims that eternal life is found in him. Number three, this statement of Jesus was him telling the audience that he is the Savior. From Genesis 3 onward, there's this promise of the seed of the woman that's going to come and crush the head of the serpent. The Messiah 
would be the Savior. The Messiah would come and destroy the domain of darkness, the kingdom of Satan, and would sit upon the throne of David forever. And Jesus truly believed that he was the Savior of the world. In fact, Isaiah 61 is all about salvation, the exact prophecy that Jesus read in Luke 4. Listen to the end of it. Verse 10 of Isaiah 61, I will rejoice greatly in the Lord. My soul will exult in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation. He has wrapped me with a robe of righteousness. What Jesus is saying in Luke 4 is this, salvation is here. Salvation has come. He would later say in John 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. But I want you to see this number four. Number four, I want you to see this. That the words of Jesus demand a response. And here we circle back to this idea of invitation that I said to you at the beginning. What does Jesus say? He says, today, right now, right now, this has been fulfilled in your presence. Most blessed and favored of all men, women, and children were those in the synagogue of Nazareth that day. For they were looking at the Messiah. They, they were listening to him say, something different has come. Salvation is here. Spiritually oppressed, no more. Spiritually enslaved, no more. Spiritually blind, no more. Spiritually poor, no more. The Messiah is here. How blessed were the ears that heard. And blessed are you, for today you have heard of Jesus. Today you are hearing the gospel, what a great benefit you have of all peoples on earth that today the divine hand of God has brought you to this location to hear the glorious gospel of his son. Do not let this moment pass you by. Do not let the enemy drive you away from the testimony of Christ. What a terrifying thing it is that Jesus could pass you away and you can miss it, that Jesus could be in the room and you could reject it. That's the story of what happens in Luke. You see, what you expect is, this is Nazareth. These are the people that knew Jesus. So what you expect is for them to say, yes, we've been waiting on the day that you would announce yourself. We all know the testimony of your mom is true. We've heard all the things they've said about you. We've heard all the things they say you teach. And today, we're giving our life to you. But what's the Bible say in verse 22? They were speaking well of him. And they were wondering at the gracious words which were falling from his lips. And so in the room that day, they were beginning to talk. Man, nobody's ever talked like this before. What authority. What love. What passion. And everything's going in the right direction until you see in the text there's a semicolon. Somebody in the room said, wait a minute. This is Jesus. I went to high school with him. Man, I grew up in Sunday school with that guy. Somebody else said, hey, I know his dad. I grew up next to him. He was my neighbor. No way. Not him. He's not the Messiah. They were enamored by him. 
but they couldn't bring themselves to believe in him. Friends, there are many in this room this morning, you are enamored by Jesus. You're enamored by his wonderful works, but you don't believe in him. You say he's a great prophet, he's a great teacher, and nothing more. Can I remind you of the words of C.S. Lewis? I've read them to you many times, but I want to read them to you again because it fits. C.S. Lewis said, I'm trying here to prevent anyone from saying the really foolish thing that people often say about him. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I do not accept him to be God. C.S. Lewis says that's the one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things that Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level of a man who says he's a poached egg or else he would be the devil of hell. C.S. Lewis said, you must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God or else he's a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. And that quote, C.S. Lewis said, you must make a choice. Jesus looked at them in verse number 23 and he says, no doubt you're going to quote this proverb to me. Teacher, heal yourself. And indeed they did. On the cross of Calvary as he's hanging there. He who knew no sin, becoming sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. He who is hanging on a tree is cursed. As he's hanging there on the tree, suspended before the entire world, bloody, beaten, bruised, and naked for you, suffering the wrath of God. What do they say? Save yourself, Jesus. If you really are the Messiah, you can come down off of that tree. Hey, if you really are the Messiah, call Elijah. Call down the 10,000 angels. Let them rescue you. Because here's the thought. If he can't save himself, he can't save us. Jesus says, you'll ask for a sign. Just like they asked for in Capernaum, no sign's going to be given. Why? Because Jesus said, an adulterous and evil generation asked for a sign. But the only sign that will be given is the sign of the prophet Jonah. Just as Jonah was in the belly of the whale for three days and three nights, so the Son of Man must be in the belly of the earth for three days and three nights. Just like Jonah was thrown over that, that ship uh, edge and hit the, the water of the ocean. And they all thought he was dead. And three days later, he's walking through the streets of Nineveh. And they're saying, he's got to be resurrected because he was dead three days ago. Jesus says, you're going to kill me. You're going to bury me. And in three days, I'm coming out of the grave. And that's the only sign that you need. Yet unfortunately, there's still many who won't believe. That's the testimony of the synagogue in Nazareth. We could go on, but time is short. But I want you to listen to the very end of this, verse number 28 and 29. We could, we could go on and get into to all kinds of things here about how the gospel goes to the Gentiles, but that'll be another day. But listen to 28 and 29 of Luke 4. And all the people in the synagogue were filled with rage as they heard these things. And they got up and they drove him out of the city they led him to the brow of the hill on which their city had been built in order to throw him down off the cliff. Do not let this moment pass you by. You, you saw five souls baptized. 
You heard the, the songs of the saints as we sing, thank you, Jesus, for the blood applied. You hear us sing, only Jesus. You hear the, the gospel preached, the Holy Spirit convicting your heart right now. You can give your life to him or you can say in your heart, I reject him. The people of the synagogue that day, they rejected. They took him to a cliff and they're going to throw him off and kill him. You know what tour leaders in Israel say? That when Jesus walked away from Nazareth that day, he never came back. He never went back home. How do you know if Jesus will ever pass this way again? How do you know that Jesus will ever knock on the door of your heart again? You don't. If he's knocking on your heart's door, if the Spirit is convicting you to come to Christ, let today, Paul says, be the day of salvation. You see, we ask the question, how could they do that? I want you to understand that there are many today in this room that are just like the people of Nazareth. You grew up with Jesus. You attended Sunday school with Jesus. You've been in church your whole life. You've been in church service with Jesus because you've heard him sung about your entire life. But because you've heard it so many times, your mind and your heart has become dulled to the awesome reality of his identity. Only Jesus. He's the only one who can save you. Fourteen years ago today, I was a lost man. Fourteen years ago today, I was in drug rehab. Fourteen years ago today, my life was a wreck. Fourteen years ago today, the Lord Jesus passed my way. Amen. November 19, 2009, the Lord Jesus passed my way. And through reading the Word of God, I found that Jesus claimed to be the Messiah, that Jesus claimed to be the Savior, that Jesus claimed to be able to forgive me of my sin. As Romans 4 says, how blessed is the man whose lawless deeds have been forgiven, whose sins have been covered. And I realized that day, this Jesus, only Jesus, can save me and set me free. And November 19, 2009, my life forever changed. Amen. Here we are 14 years later, and this same Jesus is being offered to you today. He's passing your way. Maybe you're here and have never given your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to give you an invitation to come. You're looking around the room and you're saying, well, what if nobody else comes? It doesn't matter. At the end of the day, the only thing that matters is what you say about Jesus. And so Caleb's going to come, some of our praise team's going to come, and they're going to begin to sing a song of invitation. And heads bowed and eyes closed this morning as we come to this time of invitation. And as you enter into this time of prayer and invitation, I'm just wondering if there's anybody in the room today that would raise their hand and say, Pastor Zach, I've never been saved. But after hearing the declaration of the gospel, and after hearing about what the Lord Jesus said about himself, and realizing that Jesus is indeed the only way to salvation, today, for the very first time, I want to give my life to Christ. I want to make a bold confession of faith. 
Today's my day of salvation. I believe that Jesus died for me. I believe Jesus rose from the dead, and I want to make him the Lord of my life. If today you want to be saved for the very first time, would you raise your hand? Anybody at all in the room today would say, today is the day of salvation. Anybody at all today would say, today is my day. If you're online or on the radio and you want to give your life to Christ, there are people that you can contact right now through our online platform to let them know of your decision to follow Christ. Anybody at all? We trust today that all hearts are clear. Nothing else. Let this be a seed planted in your heart that you go from here today. You begin to ponder about this Jesus, and maybe in the days to come, you will say, you know what? I need to give my life to him. But as we have this invitation today, if there's anybody here that's never given your life to Christ, and you want today to be the day of salvation, you don't want him to pass you by, you feel the Holy Spirit convicting your heart, and just like I said at the beginning, I'm going to ask you to make a bold move right now as everyone is standing to their feet to sing this hymn of invitation. We're going to ask you to take a bold step of faith and come down this aisle and take me by the hand and say, Pastor, today is my day. Today's the day I give my life to Jesus. As you stand today and we sing near the cross, near the cross, this is your invitation. You come as the Lord leads. Jesus, keep me Just such a blessing to be able to worship with you today. Maybe this is the first time you've ever been to Flat Creek. We pray that it's not our last time seeing you around these parts. We love you and appreciate you being here. Flat Creek is one big family. We just love each other, and we hope you felt those welcoming arms this morning. Don't forget to be back at 6 o'clock tonight to hear from Bella Quatero, one of our very own, as she embarks on this one-year missionary journey. You're going to hear all about it tonight. And please come out and support her 6 o'clock this evening. Also, if you'd like to give, you can give on your way out the door or give at flatcreekchurch.net. We are so thankful you've been here today. We're going to close with a word of prayer. This is our benediction as Brother Caleb prays for us today as we close our service. Thank you for the opportunities you've presented to us just to gather together with our church family and lift you up. Lord, I pray that uh, as we go our separate ways, that would be the testimony of every individual here, Lord, that they, they leave. I'm not talking about Pastor Zach, not talking about the music, not talking about anybody they met here except you, Lord. I pray we leave exalting you and worshiping you and praising your name together. Lord, I pray uh, you would put a burden on souls as Pastor Zach uh, was preaching. 
Uh, Lord, I believe there's some folks that do need to get some stuff settled with you. And so I pray you just put a burden on their heart. I pray they find him on their way to the parking lot and not be able to leave until they get it settled. Lord, we love you and we thank you for all you do for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for joining us on the Sunday stream here at Flat Creek Baptist Church in Gainesville, Georgia. I am Pastor Zach Williams and it is a great honor to have you join us through our online platform. It is our belief here at Flat Creek Baptist that you should be connected to a local congregation. And so if you are in the Gainesville, Georgia area, we want to encourage you to come out and be a part of what God is doing in our midst. There's nothing like being connected to a local body of believers. However, if you are tuning in today and you are not from the Gainesville, Georgia area and you're tuning in from some other place on Stand and be strong.
97.5 Glory FM, North Georgia's Southern Gospel Music Station. Glory FM, your family radio station in North Georgia. 